Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. This morning with every word, right? Our 2022 theme. Come on somebody, what does Matthew 4, 4 say? People do not live by bread alone, but by... That's right. Mateo 4.4 dice, no vives. Vivimos de qué? We live off of what? Every word. Every word that comes from whose mouth? I'm glad it's his mouth and not mine. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Our commitment this year that we are now two-thirds of the way through, a little more, I believe, actually, we are going to. ¿Qué vamos a hacer? If you're new at Encounter Church in January, we started reading all together as a church family through every word of the Bible, all the way through the Bible, and we're, we're really excited to be, you know, Two-thirds of the way through, and um, speaking of which, uh, not too long ago we read the book of Acts, right? Anybody enjoy the book of Acts? That's where we were last Sunday, and that's actually where we're going to pick up, literally where we left off last Sunday, we're going to pick up today. But just before we get into that, can you think of anything that you can't really do very well alone? Like you need others to do it well? Can you think... I mean, I think of team sports. If it's just me, then, you know, probably not. There are certain things in life that we have to do alone, but there are many things in life that we have to have others involved to be able to do it well, to be able to do it right. And, you know, last few weeks we've been focusing on living on, on mission, this whole idea, this whole perspective change of living on mission. So I just want to do a very quick... Uh, review because I know you guys know this stuff. And if you're new, you're about to get it. So this is what we've been saying, right? We don't do missions. Come on, as Christians here at Encounter Church, we don't do missions. We live on mission, right? We don't do outreaches. We live reaching out. We don't go fishing. We are fishers of people. It's more a matter of of who we are than what we do. Last Sunday we said we said that living on mission, right, being a witness for Jesus is first a matter of our identity before it is our activity, right? First we have to know who we are so we can do what he says we can do. Come on, say, I live on mission. I live reaching out. I am a fisher of people. We've been reading again and again Matthew 10, uh, 7 and 8 from the Amplified. And if you've been here, you know what to do. And if you're new, you're about to catch on. And, ah, I mean, if you've been here, right? And, and, and as you go. Come on, let's say it with that emphasis. And as you go. Preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely. 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 As you go, freely give. Right? As you go. As you go. We've been learning this whole biblical perspective that God doesn't just call us to do stuff for him. He calls us to be somebody for him. Amen? We don't just witness. We don't just do witnessing. We don't just share the gospel. We are witnesses, right? We have experienced Jesus. We've encountered him. We've received so much from him. Or am I the only one who's received something from Jesus today? 
Come on, has anybody received forgiveness? Has anybody received some joy? Can we see it? Has anybody received peace? Has anybody received healing? Has anybody been, have, have received some freedom? Has anybody received a purpose? I could go on and on. But Jesus taught his disciples that as we go, we give what we have, right? Remember, you can't give what you don't. But we've received so much from him. And everything we've received from him, we've received it freely. Or did you pay for anything to get it from Jesus? Last time I checked, he paid the price with his life, with his blood on the cross. Amen? And he gave us everything. It cost him everything for us to receive everything. And now we've been given the call and the commission and the privilege that as we live our life, everywhere we go, what do we do? We just give what we have. That is living on mission, right? I want to encourage you, if you haven't been here, you could go back and listen to some of these, these messages on the podcast to really build this in you. But let me give you just a little bit more. Missions and outreach should not be a religious activity, but a way of life, a way of living, right? If we're ambassadors for Christ, we are his representative. So our life represents to the world something about Jesus everywhere we go all the time. So that changes our perspective from I do things for Jesus to I Live for Jesus. Very good. We learned that we discover what we do well, and then what we learn that we do well, what do we do with what we do well? What we know how to do good. What do we do? We give it to others, right? Everybody can do something well, right? Good. All right. How about this one? The gospel isn't a product we're trying to sell. But it's a free gift we are compelled to give away. And there's something, actually somebody, that's the power to live on mission. And he is the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. Speaking of living on mission and just giving what we have, I want to ask if Liz and Felicia would join me here real quick. Some of you probably know or, or maybe you observed it on social media that after nearly three years of being blocked from going to Cuba, many of you know that we have a, a, a ministry, uh, an ongoing ministry in Cuba since 2017. We've helped to plant churches there. Uh, we've, we, we, we feed and disciple kids and a lot more. And since the COVID crisis, it had, we had been blocked from going. But this Tuesday, we three <sighs> after really bad plane problems and weather problems and being stuck in the Miami airport for 11 hours, we were supposed to arrive in Havana. Tuesday at about 5 p.m., we got there at 1 in the morning. Wednesday at 1 in the morning. Yeah, and then by the time we got, we were actually going to our people, to our ministry partners and missionaries there. It was more like 2, 3. 3, it was almost 3. We had dinner at 3 a.m. Had a very important meeting from about 3 to 4 a.m. Slept a little and then got to spend about four or five quality hours with our, with our ministry partners there. Just seeing what God is doing and determining our next steps, Encounter Church's next steps, how we're going to help establish the kingdom of God in Cuba. And then we came home. We literally arrived in Cuba on Wednesday and came back home on Wednesday. So I want Liz and Felicia just to tell you a little bit more about what they heard God saying, what they see God doing, and What's coming for us? Yes, that was such an experience that we got to, to live. But all the time I was there, I was just encouraged to remind me of this um, sermon that Hunter has been doing about living on mission. 
and give it what we have and how we had a couple of hours. You know what I'm saying? And, and we, we gave those hours, you know, because there was a point that was like, let's, let's just cancel this, you know, after playing, after waiting and waiting and waiting. We were thinking like, uh, we're going to be there like five hours with them. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make any difference. But I guess like we pushed through. I kept remembering I'm going to, we're going to get what we have. And so just w when we got there and when we had the, the meetings uh, that same day, later that day, um, they were just telling us about how the kids' ministry has been such a powerful tool right now for them because people are dying of hunger and people are fleeing to South America, Mexico, and the States like nonstop because the situation is it's bad, it's horrible. You could see even like after three years, the sea, it looks like it was a war zone, like there was an earthquake, something happened and, and the buildings are falling apart. Things are like look worse than they did when we went three years ago. And like when we were driving in the middle of the night, like there was no one in the streets except like police checkpoints, like in every block because there are obviously, I mean politically, I'm not going to go into detail, but it's bad. And so there was people sleeping outside and we're wondering, are, this, are they homeless? And, like, and they were like, no, no, they're sleeping there waiting for food for the next day so they can get some food. So there are parents sleeping outside the store so they can get food. And it's not like they can buy what they want. You can get chicken or you can get oil or you can get toothpaste. It's whatever you get, you know. So they're just there trying to get food. So we get there and they ma made this food for us. And, of course, we ate because there's no food. Does that make sense? So anyways, we're there and they're saying people are broken. Like COVID, after COVID, they broke, like they're saying, like, we're broken. Like, the people, the spirit, the soul of people being broken and oppressed to the point, to the core. And the youth are fleeing and pastors are fleeing the island as, as, as soon as they can. But they're saying, but kids. But kids is what we're focusing on. Because the kids are in the streets. And we go to the streets and we preach to them. And so I guess what blew my mind I mean, it's, I could be here forever, but it's like what they were telling us that what we, we went three years ago and we knew we needed to be in Cuba, but we had no idea like what can we give or what can we do. And, and so we, we had this idea, well, let's do a Christmas party. You know, I feel like the Holy Spirit put in my heart, let's do a Christmas party for the kids. And, and in that time, I felt like, what is a Christmas party going to do? Does it make sense? Like, we are so used to all of that. And so what is it going to do? And so we, we, there were, if you went the first time, raise your hand if you went to the first time on that Christmas party that we did. That's 2018. So we went, we did a Christmas party, we did the, the, the a, a happy birthday Jesus, we called it, come to, to the party. And, and when we were there, we realized, first of all, that they do not celebrate Christmas. And that many, many kids have not even heard the story of Christmas. So then to me was mind-blowing that something so, that looked so small to me was such a, an important and a powerful tool. Does that make sense? And we're like, wait, what? They don't know the story of Christmas? Yeah, we don't celebrate Christmas. We celebrate the new year. You know, because, you know, when there's communism, there's no Christianity. So anyways... That was mind-blowing for us. So we kept coming and doing another Christmas party the following year. But that one kind of like grew exponentially. You know, where there were like 100 kids. The, the next year, if you went there the following year, 2019, raise your hand. There were like 200 kids like in that church to come to this Christmas party. So I'm asking them and like, so what is it that we can do for you? And how can we help you? And they're like, a Christmas party. And they've been using the Christmas party idea and they have multiplied that in seven like areas of the city. So the same concept of doing something for the kids and preaching the gospel to the kids and give them a little candy, a little toy, a little, you know, it's, that's what said like what, that, that, that you taught us to do with kids is pretty much how we're reaching out the city. Because the kids come, they do a party for them, they give them something, and then they go and visit the families. 
Because the pastor was saying it is the kids that is the hope of our nation. Because our kids encounter Jesus, then that nation can be transformed. But this literally, it's literally what they have left is children. So to me, I was my like my I was just so amazed that I felt like when we went to Cuba to do a kids party, it was like this is only this is all we have. You know, this is our five fish and our two pieces of bread. And we're gonna give the best, you know, our, our best two bread and our five pieces of fish and that's what we have but look what the Lord has done through this they've divided the city of Havana in seven districts and there is a pastor in each district reaching out to kids and families and there are like seven little churches across the city because we gave what we had over 250 over 250 kids now being discipled. And then, I know Felicia's going to tell you more than this, but we, uh, we talked about the possibility of doing something absolutely impossible. Before I get into that, isn't Pastor Align teaching other pastors in the area how to do that? Yeah. So it's going beyond his church and the pastors are coming together. So this is like really growing. And what I think about is if I go outside right now and turn on a flashlight, it doesn't look that bright. Right? It doesn't. But if I go in the middle of nowhere in the country where there's no lights and I go at 1 a.m. and I turn on that flashlight, it's going to be bright, right? Cuba is the 1 a.m. middle of nowhere darkness, right? And what we're doing is that flashlight, the light of the gospel. And so the impact it's making is tremendous and the gospel spreading fast. And so what I asked him is, hey, we do these large gospel crusades, right? We just went to Mexico how could we unite the church in Cuba and see Cuba saved? And he loved the idea, and he actually has connections to all these pastors. Serge is doing a training in September, and they're expecting around 250 pastors there in Havana. Yes, praise God. And so he said if I come back that he could gather those same pastors, we could share the vision, and we could strategically come up a way to do a mass gospel crusade in Cuba and see Cuba saved. Yeah. Hey, Felicia, when we said we do mass crusades, can you do that in Cuba? What did he say? Oh, he said he's been doing over 100 crusades in his lifetime in Cuba. So, yes. But he's never done it like this where he united all the churches. It's just been his church. He said they would do them in a way that's legal through sports and different things, right? But they would see like 3,000 saved in two days, right? It was 3,000. Can you imagine if 250 pastors came together for an event, the salvation we would see? He, he looked at us and he said, well, mass events are illegal. But I think I know how to do it. So we're going to be praying because sometime in the near future, Felicia is going to be going down there with possibly a few other evangelists to start the process of seeing how we could do a mass crusade in Cuba and save many, many thousands of people. Amen? Liz is going to tell you a little bit more because I, I, I was sitting there looking at him and him telling us about this, and I said, so Pastor Align, his name is Align, how, how what, what you're doing with the kids and all this and what's happening with the, the kids and the multiplying the churches, what, what are you calling this? And he said, sueño de niños. Okay? The kids dream. Let me let Liz tell you a little bit more about that. Yes, I am so excited. <laughs> because, anyways, I just see God's hand on this nation. In the, it's so crazy to go such a dark place, to travel crazy amount of hours and go through a hassle, but be there five hours and felt so moved by what God is doing. But anyways, they're calling this project um, uh, Sueño de Niños, which is Kids Dreams. But, but they also have a heart for youth. Because like, they have a lot of youth and a lot of children in their church. And they say they, we need revival for our youth. Because they all, their mindset is how can I get out of this country. So it says, but we need to captivate them with the kingdom of God to stay and, and, and advance the kingdom in, this, in the nation. So moving forward, what they want to do is to keep doing this massive kid outreaches. And, and he is preparing, and I can't wait, to do one in downtown Havana that says that they can gather up to 500 kids. 
And so he's like, we need to prepare for this outreaches. We need to prepare. And so, you know, they're not giving them food, like a food, a, a whole meal anymore. They're giving them a snack or candy or something because they've never, like, never had, like, cotton candy. Does that make sense? So, or, or they're trying to do this, but guess what? He's like, in my dream, I mean, if you're serving kids' church, you're going to get this. In my kids, I need to buy a popcorn machine. And I'm like, whoa, you're speaking my language. I'll get you a popcorn. <laughs> so he's like, the kids have not, do not have popcorn. And so having popcorn is a treat for them. And so I'm like, yes. And he's like, I need to buy a cotton candy machine. And I'm like, yes, cotton candy. <laughs> you know, for Felicia, I made her give cotton candy in her crusade in Mexico. Like, We're having cotton candy. So, um, and then ice cream, a soft serve. Um, and so he says, if I can fund these three things, uh, we are going to do this um, Kids parties, they call it Sueño de Niños, and they're going to come. And, and I love what he said. He says the main course is going to be the gospel. And then we're going to give them popcorn or cotton candy and all of this. And so moving forward, you know, if, if you saw my social, I mean, if you didn't, I mean, probably you didn't. It's not. But we're calling it a dream project. Because as a church, we're going to get behind the kids' um, uh, evangelistic events and get behind youth experience in revival, middle schoolers and high school. That's where, as a church, we are going full force. And so we were able to fund um, three months with, with your generosity, with you have given through the years, you know, since, since we have, because we haven't been able since... Yes, we've been, we saved that. So we were able to fund like three months of those. They do two parties a month. But every week in the seven districts, they're doing an activity with kids and, and young people, either sports or a game or a lesson. So we, we funded for three months the, for seven districts those, those weekly outreaches or activities for kids. And we funded two parties per month. And we were able to fund the popcorn machine for them. So, so excited. Anything else you want to say, Felicia? Thank you, ladies. I don't know about you. Hey, but what's the plan moving forward the rest of the year? Uh, they were telling us that right now is not necessarily the best time to bring a big team like we have before. Because honestly, it would be a hard time to feed us. And it would be uh, hard for, for everyone to have a place to stay just because of the way things are going. But what we do want to do is we want to do Christmas in Cuba with a few people that could go, that could fund themselves to go, okay? And we would like, ready? Okay? If we could raise $20,000 as a church, not just us, but maybe even reaching out to others, we could fund these kids, these kids groups, these kids evangelism, all the way through January, February, Finish buying their cotton candy, their popcorn, that we did the popcorn, the, the, the ice cream machine, and throw a big Christmas party for them, okay? So you're going to hear more about that. We're going to be doing Christmas in Cuba. It won't be quite as big of a team as we have done in the past few years. We'll just have to wait for next year for that, okay? But if, if some of you would like to help fund that, and if you have the personal resources to be able to go and help us take medicine, Gifts, candies, popcorn seeds, literally, ibuprofen, vitamins, toothpaste, all the, and, and there's more than that, all the stuff that we need. Um, there, if you go on our online giving, it says missions matching fund. Everything given to the missions matching fund from now through December will all go to help make this happen because I believe we can help the sueño de niños come true. We can help these kids' dream come true in Jesus' name. Amen? So, if you want to help fund it, have at it. We're going to talk more about it. If you'd like to go and you have the personal funds to be able to do that without having to do a fundraiser, come talk to us. Cool? Well, today, <laughs> we could go home after that, right? But I'm going to go quickly through this word. We're going to talk a little bit about something that we need to do together. To do it well. And that's 
Anybody guess? Living on mission. <laughs> Living on mission together. That's the title of, of today's message. So again, if you want to follow along in the Bible app or grab a printed outline there. We're going to pick up where we stopped last Sunday. You guys remember at the end of the Gospels in the first part of Acts, Jesus told, basically he told his disciples, go and live on mission. Go and preach the gospel. Go and make disciples wherever you go, right? Give what you got, right? And But he told them, he told them, but bef just before you go, I want you to wait on something. He told them to wait on what? The Holy Spirit, because they needed the power to go and live on mission. And then we read in the beginning of Acts chapter 2 how the Holy Spirit came upon them and they received the power to live on mission. And then they did. And a revival happened. And thousands and thousands of souls began to come into the kingdom. And that's where we're going to pick up today. How about we say this together. Living on mission is better together. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I need you. Turn to somebody else and say, together is better. Let's go again. We were in Acts chapter 2 last Sunday, but this, today we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, the very end of the chapter. And we're, we're going to read about their togetherness. Come on, say togetherness. This is verses 42 through 47. I'm reading out of the New Living. You can follow along in your own Bible or on the screen. It says, um, and, and again, if you've been around, you know the drill. But when I pause, you say the word together. Ready? All right, and all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met, and all the believers met, in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while... Praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being, those who were being what? Wow. Living on mission is something we do together. We're a body. We're a family. Individual body parts don't function very well if they're not working in conjunction with the rest of the, the body, with the rest of the body parts, right? And if we're going to successfully and truly fruitfully live on mission, then we're going to have to do it together, right? Right? Come on, tell somebody again. Turn around behind you and say, I need you, though. All right, one more time. One more time. Turn to somebody else and say, te necesito. Oh, wait, one more. One, just one more time. Turn to somebody else and say, preciso de ti. Hey, yo, so, <laughs> I meant, hey, y'all, all right, so, but what does it look like? I mean, because that's like, oh, yay, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya, we're all in this together, yeah. 
And then there was a song from the 80s, Together, Forever. Maybe I'm the only one that knows that one. All right. But what does it look like? Like, because we can all go, yeah, we're in this together. I've got you. Really? What does it look like? Well, we just read what it looks like. We just read what it looks like. So I'm going to briefly give you, brace yourself, 15 (laughs) qualities of living on mission together. Don't get scared or overwhelmed. I didn't say 15 points. It really is just one point. Literally today there's one point. It's just 15 words we just read that express the qualities of this one idea. And that is this. Living on mission is something we do. Come on, let's say that together. Living on mission is something we do together. Number one, it says all the believers devoted themselves. Number one is devotion. Devotion. Devotion is a word for commitment. When you are devoted to something, you are committed to it. To whom are we committed? To whom do we owe all of our devotion? To Jesus, right? And we are devoted to him. And there's a few things that we do to cultivate our devotion to Jesus. One we talk about all the time and we've taken a whole year to do it together. And that is daily Bible reading is a way to cultivate our devotion. Also personal prayer, spending time in prayer with Jesus, right? This is the thing. Devotion shows individual commitment to Jesus. But the next word is doctrine, okay? It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching or doctrine, okay? And devotion is personal study of God's word and prayer. But doctrine is Bible study Together, right? It says that all together they devoted themselves. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? If devotion shows individual commitment, doctrine shows our collective commitment. We don't just believe things as individuals. Together as a family and as a body, we have the word of God that we stand on together. Right? And they were committed. They were devoted to it. Then it says, and to fellowship. Fellowship. Okay? I know it's cheesy, and I know many of you have heard it before, but fellowship is a bunch of fellows in a ship. Right? A bunch of fellows and fellas in a ship. And what happens when a bunch of fellows are in a ship? Well, they fish for sure, maybe, but what what, what do they do? They go somewhere together, right? See, fellowship is more than just about friendship. It does entail friendship. We need to be friends, but we are friends with a purpose. We are friends with fellowship. Christian fellowship is friendship with a purpose. We're a bunch of fellows and fellas in a ship going the same place together. And where are we going? Well, to heaven eventually, but in this world, on Jesus' mission, right? On Jesus' mission to preach the gospel, to make disciples in our neighborhood, in our city, in our nation, and in all the nations, right? That's where we're going together This is our fellowship. We need to spend time together. We need to be friends, but not just for the sake of friendship. Come on, say, we're friends with a purpose. Yeah. And then, I'm going to sit down for this one. It says meals. Come on, somebody, say food. Food. I don't know if you've experienced this, but you probably have. Eating together brings us together like nothing else. 
like nothing else can. Sitting down over a plate of fried chicken, tacos, pad thai, or a cup of coffee. Or some extra spicy buffalo wings. Or some shrimp and grits. What can I say for vegans? A plate of zucchini noodles with tofu. Something about that brings us together, brings people to be together like nothing else can. There's a reason why Jesus called himself the bread of life. And, the, and he taught us that we have to, we have to, to, to eat of him. The, the, the whole Last Supper, taking the bread and the, and the wine together, right? It was a meal. Because when we sit together at a table and we eat together, it, something about it opens our hearts to one another. All of that to say is, I commission you to eat together. All right. But then we get to this one. It says that they weren't just devoted to the fellowship and the meals, but also to prayer. And this is not a reference to individual prayer, but to corporate prayer. They prayed together, right? Private prayer is powerful and necessary. But corporate prayer, when we come together and pray, it's even more powerful. The Word of God says one of us could put a thousand to flight. How about two? Ten thousand. What did Jesus say when we gather in His name? If two or more gathered in His name, he is there. And we can ask anything if we come into agreement and the Father will hear us and do it there's power in praying together you know that's why we have encounter prayer every Sunday morning if you didn't know or if you haven't been coming every single Sunday morning at 10 15 right in here typically 20 or 30 or so of us join together and pray but I want to see that become 70 and 80 and 100 of us I recently heard of of a men's group that's getting together every single week to pray. I'm thinking of the future of, of, of how we could open up the sanctuary at different times during the week and have it just open up for people to come and pray. Why? Because the more we pray together, the more answers come from heaven. And I want answers from heaven. I want answers for my life, for my family, for us as a church family, for my city, for our nation, for the nations. We want answers from heaven. And listen, I pray every single day about a lot of things on my own. But just being here this morning for 30 minutes together, it's my favorite time of prayer every week. I want to encourage you, make an extra effort to come and let's pray together. If you can't, and yet, and you people are like, well, what about my kids? You know what? Our church has kids running around all over the place all the time. <laughs> they are in here in prayer. This morning, I wish y'all could have seen it. Little, little Joshua Ruthen. We're all in here praying, and you know, Caleb's kind of up front, and he puts him down, and Joshua is walking across, pacing back and forth in front of the altar going this. <laughs> I remember having Anna when she was a newborn. We'd, I'd just carry her around until my arm fell asleep, right? Praying in tongues. And the first thing Anna did when she was a baby, before she could really talk, she would do this. Because she grew up around praying in tongues all the time. And so people, sometimes people hold back from coming to prayer because it's like, what about my kids? Listen, just bring them. Just bring them. Let them learn. 
Kids don't bother the Lord. They just bother us. Right? What did Jesus say about the children when the disciples were like, stop, Jesus is kind of busy, stop. What did he say? Well, the Bible says he got mad with them. And he said, let the kids come to me. It's your problem, dude. Let the kids come to me. We need to just get over being bothered by kids being loud and running around. And yes, parents, we need to educate them and teach them and keep them under control and stuff like that. Yes, yes, yes. I know. (laughs) But let the kids come to Jesus. Bring them with you to prayer. People say, what what do the kids do during praise and worship at your church? What do you mean, what do they do? Where do you send them? Right here with us. They don't go away somewhere else so you can worship the Lord. No, we worship together. I'm going to get to that one, right? But I, why was I saying all that? I want to encourage you. Come and be a part of corporate prayer. Encounter prayer every Sunday morning at 1015. I believe that men's prayer group is going to explode and become a men's prayer movement. Amen? I really believe there's, there's coming the day when our sanctuary is just going to be open for hours at a time during the week where people can come and go and pray together. But we've got to go after it. Come on, let's pray together. And then it says, I was going to spend extra time on that one. We'll keep going with the rest. It says that then um, a sense, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And, you know, this is what happens, what ought to happen, when God's presence shows up. There should be a deep sense and attitude of respect. And this is something that we have worked really hard to cultivate at Encounter Church. We understand when we come together, Jesus says he's here. We ought to act like it. When the word of God is being preached, you're not on your phone on Facebook or texting. I mean, you could use your phone for your Bible. That better be it. And if you're texting anybody, it better be Jesus. Because he's here. And I don't mean that as a threat, but he's here. If I were you, I'd read your Bible and see what happened when people disrespected the presence of the Lord. It's not pretty. We, we, if we really believe the God of the universe is here right now, how we, ought we act? How ought we behave? It says that they were in awe. A sense of awe. That's the next word, you guys. Awe. And then it says... And I honestly believe that what we're about to read next, this next phrase and this next word, is a result of the first Christian's awe of God. Okay? They were in awe of him. They respected him. They understood he was holy. They behaved in a way like they really believed he was with them and watching them and his presence was there. Because then it says... The apostles performed many what? Miraculous signs and wonders. I believe, and I don't just believe it. I've see, I see it in the Bible, but I've seen it throughout my own experience that whenever there is a place where the presence of God is respected, where the fear of the Lord is there, where there is awe, miracles happen. The supernatural happens. And you guys, the supernatural miracles were the norm. Because the presence of God was the norm. Because they respected his presence. Because they lived in awe of his presence. Devotion, doctrine, fellowship, food, prayer, awe, miracles, and number, whatever. They also took care of one another. They cared for one another. It says that they shared everything that they 
had. Come on, somebody say, sharing is caring. They took care of and watched out for one another. They didn't just let the enemy have his way with their brothers and sisters. They watched out for one another. They took care of one another. They didn't just let their friends be in need and stay in need. If they saw their friend in need and they had a way to provide for it, they would help. They would share with one another. They took care of one another. It says they shared everything that they had. And it says also, the next one, it says that, that they worshipped together. They worshipped. They worshipped together. They came together to exalt God. They came together for the purpose of not only being in his presence, but lifting him up. They didn't sing songs to feel good. Although it does feel really good. But they worshipped together. And then it says that they worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared their meals, so on and so forth. The only way I know how to describe this is I call it big and small. Big and small. And what I want us to do right now, and I want to ask if, if you'll just bear with me on this, all right? I want every person who is either leading a discipleship group, co-leading a discipleship group, or plans to open a new discipleship group sometime the rest of 2022. I want you to all just come up and line up across the front. Everybody who either leads a group Men's prayer group too. Come on. Whoever leads a group. Look at this, y'all. Whoever leads a discipleship group is interning or co-leading a discipleship group. Or who has been trained and is planning to open a discipleship group. Sometime before the end. Of, goodness gracious, y'all. <laughs> Just stay here. It says the temple and in homes. I call that big and small. See, it is important to have big meetings. It's kind of like a family reunion, right? It is important. They met in the quote-unquote temple, right? What they called temple is not what we would really call temple. When we say the word temple, we're thinking of a building like a church building, right? But temple to them was this public, uh, it was this big place, it kind of like in the center of town, a public space where a lot of people could gather. They gathered there for prayer. They gathered there uh, for, 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 all, for sacrifices and for all kinds of festivals and all kinds of stuff, okay? So they gathered together in a big meeting, but then they all met in smaller groups in homes, right? I want you to take this to heart today, okay? Every single one of us needs to be a part of the big family, but every single part of us needs to also be an integral part of a smaller family unit. Right? We all need to be connected together as a big family. You know, at, at currently in Encounter Church, if everybody came at once, there's about 200 people. Okay, there's about 200 of us. But not all 200 people 
are connected in a smaller family unit. Therefore, a lot of times we go through stuff and because we don't have that connection with that smaller family unit, we aren't very well cared for. Sometimes we need prayer, but we don't have anybody to call personally. You can't just call the church and ask for prayer. We don't do that. I know some churches do that. We don't do that. We don't even really have a phone number. I, can, I guess we kind of sort of do. But we do have a bunch of phone numbers. We don't have one prayer person that prays for everybody. We got all these folks right here. And not just them. We all together pray for one another, support for one another, care for one another. We gather to study the Bible together, to, to be fellows in a bunch of little ships. <laughs> Come on. In Counter Church, we're one big fellow ship. And these are a bunch of little lifeboats. Why am I keeping them up here? Because I want y'all to look at them. And I want all of y'all up here to look at them. But even more, listen, I want all of us to look out those doors, out into that city, and understand there are hundreds of thousands of people that just live in this little area called Cobb County, Cherokee County, Bartow County. I love Sunday mornings. I love gathering together. But there's something so powerful when you are connected to a smaller group. And in Counter Church, we call our small groups discipleship groups because we just like to call things what they are. Because that's what we do. We gather together for discipleship. We don't gather together just to eat, but we eat. We don't gather together just to talk, but we definitely talk. We gather together to pray together, to study the Bible together, to support one another, to grow one another as disciples of Jesus. And so I want to ask all of you and anybody listening to this podcast later on, if you are not connected and committed in a discipleship group, I want to encourage you to be. Talk to somebody. Hey, talk to two or three or 12 of them. Figure out where you need to be connected and committed. Devoted. They were devoted and committed, not just sort of like, oh, yeah, I kind of like that group over there. Or, eh, I'll go and try this one. Eh, I got, no, no. Find somewhere where you can connect and commit to be together in fellowship, in meals, in studying the Word of God. In prayer and taking care of one another. Come on, somebody say, big and small. Say, I'm a part of the big group, but I'm connected to a small one too. All right, thank you guys. You can take your seats. And yes, you can clap for them if you want. That's fine. All right. In the coming weeks, in the coming weeks, we're going to formalize some, some of these groups. I want to ask everybody just for the next few minutes if we could, uh, I'm, I'm going to kind of <laughs> land this plane quick because we still got one, two, three, four, five more words, five out of the 15, but I'm going to be done fast. So I want to ask if we could avoid distractions going in and out, okay? Because all of this is real important. The next thing it says that they shared their meals with great joy. <laughs> there is great joy in living on mission together. I tell you, Felicia, Liz, and I had a rough Tuesday and Wednesday. But we laughed like we haven't laughed in a long time. Because you know what? Doing things for Jesus together, living live our lives together for Jesus, is it, it's just... There's a joy in that. Even when things just stink to high heaven. Like we 
got on a plane that broke, thankfully before takeoff. And then they put us on another plane that couldn't take off because there was such a bad storm that it couldn't land. So they said, well, we'll just wait. And then, I, then they canceled that flight and to put us on a third plane. And the storm was still there, so it still couldn't take off because it couldn't land. And then we sat there so long that the pilots and the crew had overshot their work hours and became what they called illegal. They couldn't fly us anymore. Third plane, and now the pilot can't fly. If you think mission trips are romantic and fun, some things are, but it's also a cost. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay for the mission. But all I can tell you is, after going through all that, not sleeping very well, feeling like somebody had beat me with a baseball bat the next three days. It happens when you're over 40, okay? <laughs> I used to be able to do that and be fine. Now it hurts. I couldn't stop smiling because of what we get to do together for Jesus. And listen, when we live in this way that we're reading about in Acts 2, there's a joy that cannot be contained. Christians ought to be the most joyful people on earth. And it ought to be noticeable. Don't give me that. I got joy on the inside. Bless God. Show us those teeth. Let the joy out. Don't keep it to yourself. Generosity, we've already sort of hit on this, but I want to tell you what generosity is. Are you ready? Generosity means that we don't give the minimum, but we look for opportunities to be extravagant. We don't give the minimum, because we can all give the minimum, and that's good. But it says that they shared with joy and generosity it says they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I look at the first Christians and it's like, oh, these are people that rather than just, I'll just give the minimum. It's like they were looking for how they could give the maximum. They were looking for opportunities to be extravagant with one another. Generosity. It was a reflection of God to one another and to the world around them. And it says also, all the while praising God. Can somebody lift up a shout of praise today? That's right. You know, worship is good. But we got to recover the art of praising and rejoicing together. There's a lot in the Bible about being still and being in awe and worshiping the Lord and all that kind of stuff. But there's a whole lot more about shouting and clapping and dancing and being thankful and rejoicing together. They praise God for his constant goodness. They praise God for his constant provision. They praise God together for the things that he was doing in their midst for his great works. We've got to praise him together. And then it says that they enjoyed the goodwill of all the people. Goodwill shows that people saw them, looked at them favorably. Why was it? We learned about this a few weeks back. It was because of their testimony. It was because everybody saw them living like this. And it caused the world, the community, to look at them with favor. Goodwill, right? Now, I know that Christians face persecution. I know we're going to be criticized and ridiculed and made fun of and resisted and all that. But y'all, that's not everybody. A lot of people don't have goodwill towards Christians because they've never seen them live like this. A lot of people are just waiting to see a group of people, a family, a body, a church, a people that'll live like this. And they will we'll enjoy their goodwill. And many of them will be brought into the family too. Come on, it's our testimony. 
that causes the community to look favorably upon us. And the final word is souls. It says, and the Lord added each day to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the result of living on mission together. Each one of us can reach somebody, all of us together, is pretty much unlimited who we can reach. All of us, I'm not going to teach it to you again because we already did it, but all of us come and go. We all have a sphere of influence. We all have an oikos. We all have people that live around us and see our lives that we encounter on a regular basis. And the result of, of the, them living on mission together, and it said, I love the way it says, is it said the Lord added. See, God draws people unto himself through his people living on mission together. This morning, Pastor Julian was leading encounter prayer, and he prayed something, and when he prayed it, the Holy Spirit spoke this to me. I had not planned to say this. I actually had to go grab my iPad and write it down, okay? He prayed something. I don't even know if he meant to pray it this way, but he did, and when he did, the Holy Spirit said this. You ready? The old is the way to the new. Because a lot of times we read the Bible and we think, oh, well, that was then, and this is now. And the Holy Spirit said, the old is the way to the new. There's a prayer, and pardon me, I don't remember the exact passage where it says, return me or restore me to the ancient paths, the ancient ways, right? This, what we see, the church of over 1900 years ago, the old path is the way to the new revival, The result of them living like this, I mean, the last verse of Acts chapter 2 is that the Lord added to their fellowship daily people who were being saved. Keep on reading, and they turned the world upside down. The whole known world at that time heard the gospel in a short period of time because a group of people lived on mission together. And everywhere they were scattered, everywhere they went, they did it together. You don't read about any loners in the New Testament. Even the ones who seem like that would have been their personality, God ended up putting them together with people. We have to do this together. We can only successfully live on mission if we do it together. Devotion, doctrine, fellowship. Food, prayer, awe, miracles, care, worship, big and small, joy, generosity, praise, goodwill, and souls. Today, I don't want you to hear this and go home and think, well, that was good and that was challenging or I didn't like that. I want you to ask yourself right now, Right there where you're standing or sitting. I want you to ask yourself this. What action do I need to take today to live on mission together? What do I need to do? What do I need to change? What step do I need to take today, this week, to better live on mission together? And I want you to go home or wherever you got to go, and do it. Just one step. There'll be many other steps to follow. But just start with one step. What's one action, one step you could take today towards living on mission together? I know I could tell you two if you're not yet doing them. One, get connected and committed in a discipleship group. Talk to somebody. Find one. And get connected and committed there. Two, 
Come pray together with us. Let encounter prayer grow so much, we have to open more prayer meetings. Be in discipleship together. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.